case you say something brilliant before we begin. Mm, pretty brilliant. <laughs> Go. <on. laughs> uh, did you think about the questions that you said? Yeah, what and how and why? Yeah, but to be honest, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't thought about anything else for like 12 months. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, man, this is perfect. <laughs> so do you need a distraction or do you feel like you're actually ready? Because those are big questions for some people. To be honest, I can't even remember the questions. I just remembered when I heard them, I was like, I've got answers to those questions. All right, let's begin then, without further ado. Yeah, I feel like I should have standing in Wombat Radio. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. Do you want to introduce yourself, mate? Sure. Uh, my name's Gavin, Gavin Clark. Um, I'm a dancer, among other things. Good. Yeah. And? And we're in the music room. One of the music rooms at UNSW. Yeah. Sounds well, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Where I've just completed my honours year of dance studies. Yeah. Not in the music room. No. <laughs> More in the dance studios. But okay. they let me come in here as well because I'm also a musician. Yeah, right. And did you have to propose something to them? Um, yeah, I proposed that. I was going to just dance, dance in the studio a year and then write about it. Yeah. In terms of how I've been using my dancing to improve my body in the sense that I've worn it down over the years mm. with injuries and just, mm. you know, using it hard. <laughs> and I, I reached a point where I was like, okay, let's go the other way. Let's yeah. fix it up again. So but doing the same thing that wore it down. Doing the same thing in a better way. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> where does that come from, though? There must be a long lineage of that. I guess it's inspired by Alexander Technique uh-huh. because that's what he did. He got to a point where he was couldn't go any further with his work and mm. he's like how am I going to fix this and so he practiced and observed with mirrors and things and figured out what he was doing wrong and as a result changed the way he was doing it and then changed everything about his life and so it sounds so simple it's pretty simple <laughs> okay. just takes a bit of time <laughs> yeah and is there some kind of boredom barrier that you need to smash through when you're unlearning and relearning and I think the thing you have to get to is a point where you get a positive change. Uh, and so once you have a positive change, you that's motivating. It. Yes. It's like, you know, after that, oh, it's like, oh, that feels so good. Or that, yeah, that's pretty much it. It feels so good that I want to get that feeling again, that feeling of improvement or mm. that feeling of no longer feeling. It's like you didn't even realize how, I didn't even realize how tight I felt until I let go of that tension. Mm. And then I was like, ooh, this is so much better. How can I get more? And so it's not hard to be motivated. I would say that I'm completely addicted. <laughs> I was having this chat with Adam Sinnott once actually about the, um, the hit that you get, like the chemical hit when you realize something Yeah. the first time, like there's like, um, I get it from comedians mostly. They've put two ideas together that are so revelatory that it, I can only giggle in response. <laughs> yeah. Did that. And that's some kind of chemical yeah, reward for thinking. Mm. Mm. Realizing. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, been doing that. And um, what does it look like? Or what? Yeah, it... that's a good question. Yeah. Hmm. 
I guess it takes different modes depending where I am and the, it's like when I wake up in the morning and I'm lying in bed it mm. looks like I'm just squirming around in my bed but that's doing it it's very much doing it mm-hmm. uh, I remember a t- story of uh, who's the, like the famous old choreographer who danced until he was 70 a male guy uh, what, yeah Cunningham. white dude that made the like drawing was technique was it most yeah so and the old people could uh, he was an artist anyway there was one of the old dancers he kept dancing he was 70 and his thing was that he would start before he got out of bed and that was his way of juicing himself up for the day Took that on board. So start before I get out of bed. Okay. Get out of bed. And then once you get out of bed, it's like gravity kicks in and that's... Yeah. Changes the relationship of your muscles to your bones and that gives you an opportunity to do something else. And then you've got to get into the day and use yourself mm. to do the things. So I might get myself to a studio and I might not have thought about it so much, but then when I'm in a dance studio, uh, it usually looks, starts really slowly with pretty much stillness. And from there I observe where... The first place that I notice could be improved or could be changed to get something better. And then I just move from there slowly, trying to connect that point through the different points of my body back to my spine, and then out from my spine to the other points of the rest of my body until it's all connected so that I can make a small action in my hand, which through that connection can affect my knee. And sort of making a contact dance between the various parts of my body. Mm. Mm. The, like the integration <clears throat> yeah because it's it's really at all times knowing that the, the orchestra is still many many different pieces yeah and being able to hear through the almost symphony to where things need to change so that they can yeah let's bring the second violins up a little yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tuba too loud okay thanks yeah. yeah is it true they only have multiple of some instruments to make them louder without amplification, electronic amplification. I assume that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But interesting with the violin, yeah. just like they can all be playing together, but the guy out the front, he's much louder. He's not amplified. So I guess there's, it's mm. also to do with the sound quality. So you don't have to be, I don't know. Yeah. Like sounds. really yelling into it. Yeah. I see. It's a good theory, Matt. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure either. Yeah. What, what are you, what are you listening for? When I'm unwinding... Well, I call my practice unwinding. I don't okay. know if I mentioned that. No, not yet. No. When I'm unwinding... Yeah. Uh, I'm listening for things that won't move in the way that I thought they were about to. Or I'm listening for things that warn me that they're going to hurt if I keep going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And so when I feel that, I go to the edge of that direction and I explore around it and see how... Just being around there and moving gently in that space yeah. can open it up to a different space and how that affects different areas. Wasn't that the classic um, Feldenkrais? That's pretty much Feldenkrais, yeah. Story where he's like... <laughs> some, this is what I was told. Maybe it's just urban legend, mm. urban myth, is that... Well, not urban. I don't know if that was pre-urban mm. times. Rural myth. Rural myth. <laughs> that he had some kind of uh, Achilles injury or whatever. Yeah. And the operation, he was on a long waiting list because it wasn't bad enough. And so yeah. he strapped up a heavy like, rucksack and then he went up and down on the stairs doing, um, yeah, raises to make it worse so that he could get the operation. But then it made it better. He fixed it himself. He fixed it himself. <laughs> yeah. No, I honestly believe pretty much anything... That's what I heard. Anything we've got wrong with us, we can go in there and fix it ourselves if we figure out what's going wrong. But yeah. obviously... 
Yeah. But, you know, I say that with some reservation. <laughs> but that's the theory I'm working on. So I'm going to chase that for yeah. myself. And yeah. if other people want to do that, they can do that too. How do you end up at this, um, even at this thought? Because that's a pretty wild thought to have, let alone to build a methodology around yeah. in the West. I guess it was goes back to that point of positive change. Yeah. Uh, there was a while there where I couldn't raise my arm above the height of my shoulder. And so I went and saw osteopath and massage. Mm. And I was getting lots of help and it was getting a, be- a bit better. Still wasn't like fully free. But I recognized the bitness. I was like, oh, they're doing that. That's improving it. I've run out of money, but I can keep doing that thing that they're doing, get that mm. same feeling of mm. bitterness. And that eventually I now... I've got no problem there. It's all better. So I've just demonstrated myself. Work there. Oh, how about my knee? Yeah, got that a bit better. Mm-hmm. As that's happening, my back's getting better. And it just, it's almost like it's automatic once it starts kicking in. It's like a cascade. It's this mm-hmm. drops and oh, it fixes that, fixes that, fixes that. It's uncomfortable because it's a process of change. But once you move through that change, yeah. then it's more comfortable. Mm. I remember like many years ago, I did a TEDx talk in Darwin and one of my key points, like I split it into three different sections, and one of the key points of the final, like bringing it home, was to give yourself the time to recognise the difference between um, discomfort and pain. Mm. Can you talk about how? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's an interesting one. Because it's, it's true what you say, that any kind of growth, mm. um, for better or for worse, is going to be uncomfortable, but discomfort is not actually the enemy. Yeah. And uh, I've... Because when I started dance school, I had a bit of a gung-ho mentality. Came out of sort of a football background. Ah. Of like, go in there, hit the ball hard. Hit some other people hard. Sort of, say, apologize <laughs> for that, the girls. You know, crank that leg up in the air. Just the one Throw leg. yourself into the ground. Yeah. And, and that was... And it did hurt. It was like, there was pain involved. Yeah. But I thought, oh, yeah, this is just the pain of building strength. Yeah. Which I guess is true. I was getting stronger, but I was also getting tighter and more bound. Mm. And the pain was just locking in that pain. It was like the, mu- the stuff I was building up was just locking in that pain so I couldn't feel it anymore. It was just kind of protected by ma- like in- immobility. Yes. And so as soon as you start to let go of that immobility, you open yourself up to that pain that you've Ooh. hidden yourself from. And for me, it's always a kind of familiar thing. It's like, oh, hang on, this isn't... It's not like I've just hurt myself. It's like I've released, oh, that's... Oh, and that was sore from before. Yeah. I don't even necessarily remember when, but it's like, so what have I got to do to now move back out of this shape that I've found myself in mm. into a bigger, freer, opener, opener mm. <laughs> shape? We can always be opener. Yeah, absolutely. A can opener, a theory opener. A shell opener. A shell opener. <laughs> I like that idea. I remember um, I got a surgery once and I was telling the surgeon how it was quite tender. And he's like, oh, you just keep tapping that area until those nerves recalibrate themselves to not be as sensitive as that. Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, hang on a minute. I'm just killing them Yeah. so that I don't feel it anymore. Isn't there a better way to deal with this new sensation? Yeah. I don't know. That one's a bit interesting. It's- nerves and sensation actually this year in study has all been about sensation yes that's what I've partly because the university was talking about various theories and things that you want to relate it to and I stumbled upon affect theory Mm. which is the notion that when things come in when bodies come in contact they affect each other and so for example when people come into contact two bodies there's an immediate effect of like oh I'm 
agreeable to that person so I feel good in that person's company. But this, it all happens before you've thought about that. Yeah. So by the time you realize, oh yeah, I like this person, you've already experienced the effect of meeting that person. Oh. And so it's all dealing with, so that when I'm moving my practice, it's dealing with those sensations yeah. that happen before you know what you're, it's like, oh, I feel this. And it's like what I was saying before, when I've released some tension and found a piece of hidden pain that I've been protecting myself from, the sensations of that pain mm. is what I feel. It's mm. like, it's not necessarily a specific ache, but I might have tingles in my arms or goosebumps or, yeah, it's like my body is back there. It's, it's feeling it again. And so, yeah, it's really tracking the sensational connection with your body. And so when I say I'm, I notice a point in my body where the tension's loading up, what I'm noticing is the sensation of muscles continually working and how that makes my body feel which is really you can't separate that from how you might be listening to a music piece of music might make you feel or thinking about a theory might make you feel or as you were saying before an idea that a comedian has brought together yeah. it, you feel it and so mm. it's tracking that sensational connection with your body we were having this conundrum the other day that apparently early 2017 a Russian surgeon is going to attempt the first head transplant <laughs> And we're having a huge discussion about where does your where does your self lie, yeah. and even within that, where does your gender or sexuality lie? Um, if and yeah. and all of those things, if there's trauma that the that the body or the central nervous system has experienced, is that going to now need to be? Re- retrained and valued and anyway I was reading about it because mm. they were the body about, mind versus the head mind <clears throat> exactly and they were going to try and use virtual reality to bring the body and the mind the new mind with the new body yeah more cohesively yeah I'm not sure how I feel about that experiment but it's very interesting it's crazy yeah this rush <laughs> I mean this guy you know he's quadriplegic so he's got nothing to lose yeah so he's got his head but oh, not a body he, yeah he's got a body that doesn't really function apart from feeding nutrients to his head yeah and as a Russian surgeon's like I'll give it a shot and there's a donor body in the way that there could be donor lungs or donor heart yeah. or donor leg yeah it's just it's all just, kept together yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess the eyes go to someone else. Yeah. But it sounds like he's going to need something of what you're talking about, which is having a a conversation and in the truest sense of conversation, which is listening. Mm. Yeah. To what is being fed to him. That's just too fascinating. too fat I can see why they're doing it oh no I think it's good it's like yeah. there's a donor body and a man needs a body it's just like a donor heart yeah I mean they've done it on Futurama so yeah exactly it's been tested there in socially yeah um yeah but you're nearly finished all of this in the in supported the, sense exactly and um I'm actually about to move back to the country which which country the country of Mount Gambia <laughs> the independent state yeah. of Mount Gambia of the Boondig people uh, yeah go back to go back there spend some time with the family hmm. bit of work but just mostly time to just yeah. keep doing it without even having to worry about universities yeah. or people I'm just because I'm super confident in what I'm doing but I feel like there's just more to like I, I realise I'm only kind of 
even within my own body, there's so many more things that I want to get to, mm. to understand. It's like, I still don't understand why, how. I understand why, but I don't understand how I can get my rib, which is not in the right place anymore, back. I've kind of got half the picture. Mm. And it's like, I understand vaguely. It's like, oh, I have to get more muscles in the front of my legs, engaging down on my toes to get support in the front of my pelvis. And then that will enable me, if I take my head backwards, to hold that rib down in place while that's going on to create that space understand it in my head but I don't have it in my body it's like being able to see someone do a pirouette and go I see what you're doing Yeah, you do it yourself it yeah. doesn't work out no. the same <laughs> it's so true I remember yeah understudying someone once and they showed me the solo I was like I know it but I don't know it yeah exactly mm. yeah so I want to get there and then mm, it's pretty awesome that this intensely focused and rigorous methodology and practice is called unwinding yeah <laughs> and that for most people unwinding is actually a relaxation uh, a surrender uh, yeah a surrender it's true and so it's something about like it's almost like you're describing active surrender mm. or interestingly yes unwinding I, I've been calling it this for probably four or five years because when you get right into it and you're fully connected with all your bits, you end up doing this action, which radio people can't see. But it's, <laughs> it looks really good. Though. It's a winding action that yeah. starts at the shoulder, goes yeah. through the elbow, goes through the wrist, and you just keep doing it. And it's like this, even just, I'm not really connected now, but the action of it, I can feel it gently. It's like when you get a rope and you hold one in and twist the other. Yes. It twists up. Yes. But these are doing the opposite of that. It's already twisted and you're untwisting it. So that's why I call it unwinding. And then my girlfriend, Daniel, found this great book about uh, Qigong and uh, Chinese backgrounds. And they have Wu Wei, which translates to unwinding. And it's the practice of just going within yourself and moving freely, listening to your body, feeling the energy, and using that to realign all, you know, just improve your whole system. So basically everything that I've been doing and studying intensively and going, wow, look at this fascinating discovery, they've already written it all down in the yeah, Chinese books it's already about 4,000 years ago or something but um, you know I guess this is a western derived film and the other thing it's just like Feldenkrais and Alexander Technique mm. they're all looking at the body it's like the textbook is the body and they're reading from it mm. and so we're all going to get the same we're all reading from the same textbook so it's not surprising at all to get no. the same results it's like, so I take that as an affirmation can say that line after anything <laughs> change sir I'll take that as an affirmation yeah. you know, we, can all, we can all do that <laughs> um, <laughs> there, it reminds me of uh, I forget the name of the book The, the Warrior's Way or something oh, yeah. there's like this teenage boy and then yeah. this dude takes him under his wing and Jeff Bridges in the movie Oh, I haven't seen the movie. Okay, I haven't I'm seen gonna... it either, but I saw it. Pretty, <laughs> pretty sure it's Jeff Bridges. But the whole thing that he teaches them is that actually the the bulldog is not the strongest. The, the feline is the strongest mm. because the winding somehow. Like you were talking about a rope, but I'm thinking about you wind up a wet tea towel so you can whip it. Mm. Yeah, and then it's it actually has some sting because it has multiple parts that can move at different speeds in relationship to each other yeah that's probably the most exciting part as a dancer of yeah. our mining because once you find the connection uh, 
it's like all the tension in your body that you're holding unrecognized mm. becomes potential. Mm. You can access it as movement. Mm. And it's powerful, man. It's just so fast. It's just like <laughs> I surprise myself and it's fun. It's like, <laughs> it's like what the? Yeah, yeah, actually, I remember talking about it. So then it moves into almost pretty much hip-hop flow. It's like where you're popping and locking and you're moving yeah. things in articulation, in isolation. But it's not that. It just kind of takes on that form in the way that it's expressed because it's moving. And I, I will use music to... So I don't have to... It's like, why wouldn't you? It's yeah, like, exactly. Why wouldn't you? We're, we're dancing. Might as well put on some music that's going to get you moving anyway. So I use lots of different music hmm. to get different flavours to just do it all. Are there any specifics that are exactly aligned with a flavour for you? Like a, a menu or a shopping list? Or something? Shopping list of songs. Hmm... No, mostly I've, I've just been taking songs that I love. <laughs> bit of Emiliana, Emiliana Torini. Oh, yeah. Bit of uh, Arvo Pet. Oh, yeah. Bit of Jam Out a Song of the Piano mm-hmm. down here, take it up to the studio, dance to that. It's like, yeah. So, what's then. What's your biggest hope? I'm just excited to see where I can take it personally, like how far I can take my body. It's like I look at all the dancing that I've, that people can do and thought, well, I'm not going to do that because I don't have it. I just don't have it. But now I'm like, well. But what is the it? The it, whatever it is. It's just whenever I've seen someone do something and go, I don't know how you did that because my body wouldn't do that. And I understand that my body wouldn't do that now. But now I realize in the future, my body may do that. Ah, so uh-huh. I don't see any limitations in my future. It's like, I can, I'll be able to start dancing. <laughs> dancing as I imagine myself dancing, not just dancing to the limitations of my body. Mm. Reaching the potential of my imagination. When, what does that feel like? Liberating. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I'm going for liberation. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody else on this on this train with you? I feel like everybody I speak to who's a dancer, yeah. who's thinking about their body, has their own train. It's yeah. like Tim Ol, he's yeah. got his own little thing going. A good mate of mine, Zach Jones. Yeah. We've been jamming this out for a good five years now. He's got one called Pathwave, sort of coming from an Aikido background. And about two years ago, we crossed and we were doing like almost exactly the same thing. And now we've both gone past each other, but we're still feeding back in. That's a great conversation to have. And it's like that kind of thing. Yeah, there's lots of people doing it. Mm. I feel like dancers are doing it. Mm. I like this idea that there, the future is without limitation. Mm. I think Gaga embodies it pretty well. Hmm. Uh, anyone who's done Gaga will have found the rolling fluidity and experienced the opening and openingness of that, hmm. and then will want to just take that into their practice. And so, meeting of those two concepts is going to bring you towards something like what I'm doing now, anyway. I've been working a lot with um, the embodied cultural performance of self. Yeah. <laughs> especially just physically because I'm not interested in like a a psychological deconstruction of gender roles as much as I am um, uh, 
like curious is one word, but also like amused is the best word. Mm. Like amused without any judgment, because I know I'm also one of the people that are doing the things that I'm amused by. Yeah. By how to move and act and be based on how you identify. Yeah. And how little of that has to do with physical structure and how much of it has to do just with learning. Yeah. And so I want to know how you how you notice yourself um, before unwinding came such a big part of your life and now that unwinding is such a big part of your life and how you are a man leaning on things and how, you know, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sitting in a car and... That's one of the things that I noticed early in the piece is that all the shapes I'm holding, yeah. like I'm walking... I'm just holding a shape that I see as manly. Yes. Like, I've grown up thinking, oh, that's a manly shape. That's how a man walks. So that's how I hold myself without even knowing it. But in that, for instance, my chest is up and my Mm -hmm. back is closed off. So through the unwinding, I've been doing a lot of work just not closing off the chest, but opening up the back and then creating that opposite curve and then exploring that. And I figure once I sort out that side, Mm. this side will already be better and then I'll be able to open up that side yeah. properly so it's just, but yeah it came from the idea that I was holding things I was moving based on social ideas rather than physical ideas this is actually a much better way to put what I was trying to ask about yes yeah. <laughs> so well, talk to me about this well I think I'm actually drawing on Mary Todd who wrote The Thinking Body here where um, you know The Thinking Body yeah. yeah I haven't read it as often as Job's Body I've read that quite okay. a lot Yeah, it's got some excellent imagery so she's right into the the emotional ideas that inform the way we move so mm. um, yeah I guess for me it is interesting because once you start letting go of those things you also let go of the the attitude that carries with it the mm. attitude of I'm a macho man in that shape you drop that idea and it's like I don't feel less macho I don't feel like a woman I just don't have that macho mm. man thing feeding into my psyche mm. uh, there must even be you know that like smile until you feel good yeah trick that you can do on yourself there must be this like this is the same thing about going to the edge of where you're not allowed to go with your movement for for safety because of pain or whatever Mm. and then just staying there and then Just pressing on it. Just pressing on it until you don't feel it anymore. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. I think there's mechanisms at play, even in that scenario you put earlier where you're pressing on the nerve where you don't feel it anymore. Yeah. I feel like there's different mechanisms that are arriving at the end result of not feeling it anymore. There's the conditioning and then Mm -hmm. maybe there's also, as the guy said, lowering of the threshold. So it's like, that's hard, but you keep doing it. It's like, oh, actually, it's not that hard. (laughs) I'm actually kind of used to that. Can we give me a bit more? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's it's like the approach with um, the workman pants for arborists in Japanese, like the tabi pants that bloom out at the bottom around the ankles, yeah. supposedly to act like whiskers so that you can feel what's down around you. Uh, yeah. Whereas, um, and like the softer shoe so that you can feel what's around you, you don't have to be looking at it and you're not endangered because you're aware. Yeah which is the opposite to the Western approach of the steel caps, which is block everything off and yeah. protect everything by um, separating it, yeah. numbing it. Wow. Mm. 
Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> what it is. It's the puffy pants, not the steel caps. How do you stay safe? A couple of times yeah. over the years. Yeah. Because it's called unwinding and it's quite gentle, but sometimes you have to apply force. <laughs> like popping your shoulder back in. Well, you just have to... I never apply force in a sudden way. It's always... It's like contact improv. Like, mm. the whole thing is like contact improv in that anytime I do anything, I establish a connection and create a conversation between the two points. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we can build up this resistance between the two bodies or the mm. two points. And when I do, it takes more effort. But then it allows... You've got equal force operating on either side. So it's not like you're pulling on something until it snaps. You're just pulling on something until the other side can't match it. Mm. So you can just move up to whatever force you've got that's balanced on both sides. And as soon as you get past that force, you'll move out of that shape into a safe, closed-off mm. shape. So, But on a number of occasions, I have <laughs> felt like I was doing it right, felt like I was in control, and then pushed it too far and then like twinged my neck. Yeah. So for a few days, I was like, oh... And that was just learning. That was me learning, okay, that's what I was feeling then. Wasn't the safe. It was actually the going too far. And mm. I was just using too much. I was too excited. <laughs> I was too excited. Pushed too hard. But since then, I haven't done it again because I've learned. That was me calibrating. Basically. Yeah, and haven't done it again doesn't mean haven't approached the threshold again. No, no. It means got to Almost it. done it again. No, going, no. Let's slow right down now because we know what happens next. Um, yeah, sometimes you've got to fall over just to learn what that is. I, yeah, that's how I feel that way about driving. That's the idea that you should always have a shit car for your first car. Because you're going to crash. Because you need to tap things, yeah. like yeah. Braille learning. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> um, there's this uh, animal training idea that if you're not deliberate and focused in and aware, your animal will train you. Oh. And that it's, that it's always a conversation. Just because you're smarter doesn't mean that you're necessarily... Um, aware to how the relationship is playing out yeah and it seems to be like that's part of the conversation here with giving yourself the space in in time but also in your own body and mentality to actively mind listen to body and body listen to mind is to say that quite probably a lot of the time the body is training the mind as to what it is what it is safe to do and what is not safe to do yeah without the mind having a discussion about okay you're not comfortable but we can do this if we build up to it in this way exactly yeah mm. or even you're uncomfortable right here the body the body it's like you're talking to your body you're talking to your body and you then know, you're talking to your body you're uncomfortable body. in this position right here yeah let's just sit here for a moment and just yeah. observe what that discomfort actually is mm. oh it's the loading of the weight of my whole torso on that point in my lower back Okay, I've got that. I know what that feels like. How can I change that? Well, you might just start exploring. You might not know how you're going to, so you just pick some point. Or you might have done it for hours already and go, that's because my knee's locked. So you just unlock your knee and go, oh, that was a very small action, but I already feel how it had a very specifically small action at that point in my back. And so I can very, it's a very small exploration of how those small actions in, in the knee mm. affect that small constriction in the back. And you just play with that until you find a... The body, it's 
literally there it is the conversation between yeah. your body your body going well you know that hurts right and your mind going yeah but what if you, <laughs> what if you figure it out and yeah, your body well, going okay well you can do that that's okay that's okay no yeah. that, yep good actually that's brilliant in fact and sometimes the body just inspires you it's like mm. and then you go oh how are you going to write about this I'm going to write about it very differently to the way I wrote my thesis <laughs> Because, like, even when you talk about these other practitioners that have written books or this Japanese way that, mm. is, that has really. methodology, it seems like books last. Yeah. I think and what I like about the practice that I'm involved in mm. is you don't need to know any muscle names. You don't need to know how your body's actually structured on the inside. Yeah. You just have to know what your sensational connection to it is and work from that point it's like a sensatory intelligence yeah yeah and so once you've got that the other stuff once you can know the difference between creating positive change or negative change Mm. it's become somewhat binary it's like is this moving forward or just moving backwards i don't need to know anything it's just is this action good forward towards more More possibility more freedom more possibility Yeah. yeah yeah i see myself as Shaman. I see myself as having a hidden shape inside me. Ah. It's like my bones have like kind of crinkled down into this form, which is quite strong and does things quite well and other things poorly. Yes. But it's my form and I know how to use it. Yeah. But it's crinkled and twisted on the inside, the bones in relation to each other. And around that, we've got all the muscles. And around that, the fascia and then the skin. And by the time you get to the skin... Skin just sits over the whole thing like a nice even balloon. So we look fairly straight and even. Yes. But untapping that internal hidden shape yeah. is what I'm trying to move out of so I go into my hidden shape and I try and come out of it in mm. a new way mm. or a way that was more like when I was a little kid before I'd had any of the stresses and the, yeah, right. the things that open fresh shape mm. it's okay it makes a lot of sense why is it so uh, un, not done why is the unwinding so often undone yeah or what have you had to to do to push back against your encourage the encouragement that happens daily to just do that later yeah this is I feel like the two things that stop you the most me the most are the social presses to be doing something else getting a job (laughs) earning a living Uh or just contributing somehow you know so that people go what have you been doing and you go well I've been doing something I've been unwinding <laughs> I've been unwinding that's what I say <laughs> or what's the other one uh, things that stop unwinding the fact that we've grown up in a world where doctors take care of us I feel like we yeah. should learn in primary school how to take care of ourselves hmm. and we should learn all those things like diet uh, it's hard to say because what's good to learn and what's good to learn. but the, whatever I learned as a child didn't yeah. set me up to yeah. look after myself yeah so I feel like the fact that whenever I got sick or I felt bad, I had to go to a doctor and they would prescribe something, didn't educate me at all on how I would take care of myself. It educated me. It's like knowing how to fix your car, take it to the mechanic. Mm. This is like... But it's good for the economy. It's good for the economy. It's not good for the individual. <laughs> I feel like that's capitalism in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So really, this is like a, a gentle and love-filled revolution. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Through dance. Through dance. It's the only way. It's the only way we're going to get there.
There's actually an excellent... Um, it's only a pamphlet, it's not even a book, from Dictatorship to Democracy, it's called. And like you just leave through the pages and it's like seven or eight steps on how to affect change without um, buying into the, the sufferer mentality or the battler mentality or the victim mentality. Yeah. And that if you... Say, for example, the one I always remember is that if, if you put your angry young teenage men at the front of the protest, they're, of course, going to fight with the angry young teenage police officers, boys as well. Yeah. But if you keep the young men at the back or at home <laughs> yeah. and you send in the grandmas um, with flowers and they're singing songs then first of all they're not threatening so they, the, you can't justify in yourself as an individual but second of all the young police officers probably have a grandma who is the friend of that grandma that they're facing off against yeah. and then you realise that you're in the same society Somehow, like, righteousness doesn't bubble to the surface or something. Yeah. Which is a nicer way to do it. Yeah. To take protests, take, take flowers on a protest. I, don't, I mean, I've never had to be in one, so I don't know, mm. but... It's tricky because we're somewhat young men. We are. <laughs> we are, but oh, we're going to stay out of the protest. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> and we'll be at the back with our flat, handing out flowers. <laughs> and unwinding. Play some music so people can dance. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to cover, mate? Any epiphanies? Epiphanies. Epiphanies in the process. Mm. The process is just constant epiphanies. Mm. But uh, listen to yourself because your body is telling you what it needs. Mm. And bend your knees. And is bend your knees like use it or lose it kind of thing? If you don't bend them one day, you'll try to bend them and they won't do it for you. I think the thing with not bending your knees, you're just using all the muscles on one side of your leg. So you're cutting yourself off from that support for the other half of your body, from the other half half of your legs. Mm. And so if you want to have a chance, you just got to have bend in your life. Knees. If you want to have a chance in life, you've got to bend your knees and feel those muscles at the front. Otherwise, you know, you'll be stuck on one side. Epiphany number two. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere. If you want to be somebody, go somewhere in life, bend your knees. If you want to go somewhere in life. Yeah. <laughs> then you can walk. Uh, other than this. Yeah. Great. Cheers. Thanks, Dan. Wombat Radio. <laughs>